Welcome to the European Respiratory Journal podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you with us. My name is James Chalmers and I'm the chief editor of the ERJ. And today it's my great pleasure to welcome Professor Alvar Agusti from uh, Hospital Clinic Barcelona, uh, who's going to talk to us about a major new publication uh, that's just come out in the ERJ, which is the Gold 2023 report. Welcome, Alvar. Uh, thank you. Good morning, James. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to present this. I think uh, our readers are going to be extremely interested in the new gold 2023. Everyone who manages patients with COPD refers to gold and, and takes a lead from gold. So why don't you tell our readers, what do you think are the major changes people should look out for in the gold 2023 report? Well, my main message is that this 2023 report has several significant changes. It's not just a mere kind of update of the old one. There are several major changes. To give you an idea, there are almost 400 new references, so several important changes. I would say, and we can discuss this afterwards, that in terms of conceptual changes, definition, causes, risk factors, there are important uh, news. In terms of uh, patient uh, assessment for initial treatment, the all ABCD is now simpler, ABE, and, and we can discuss about this. Uh, there are also important changes in, in the chapter on exacerbations, uh, starting by the definition of exacerbation and the implications for manage. So I suggest people read the executive summary in the ERJ, and if they are still interested, go to the GOAL website and, and get the full document. There are many things that might be of your interest. It seemed to me this year there were there were more changes and more sort of new big concepts in the gold document than there has been before. Was that a conscious effort to try and kind of move the needle uh, in terms of how we think about COPD? Absolutely. I think that um, in the field of COPD over the past few years, there have been significant changes in our understanding of the disease and the management. I mean, just to let people know, we are already working on the 2024 document. So it takes a whole year to uh, discuss and agree on what is important is a, a, a large group of almost 30 people, experts on COPD, which are not always easy to get together and get them to agree. But eventually, I'm, I'm very satisfied with the final product. Yeah. yeah. So one of the big changes is the revision of the longstanding ABCD into ABE. So I wonder if you could tell our, our listeners a bit about the thinking behind that and what you think the impact would be. Absolutely. Uh, as people know, ABCD was introduced um, almost more than 10 years ago. It was 2011, if I am not wrong. And the idea was to help physicians stratifying patients for initial pharmacologic treatment uh, based on symptoms and based on risk of future exacerbations. Over time, over these 10 years, we learned a couple of important things. One is that the C, C for Charles, uh, which is low symptoms but frequent exacerbations, is quite rare. 
it's there, but it's unusual. The second thing we learned was that not everybody perceives symptoms equally. And patients might get used to their limitation, might not really um, be aware of the symptom burden they have. Uh, and this, interestingly, seems to be more obvious in so-called infrequent exacerbators. So you wonder whether they are infrequent because they simply do not realize they, they are having an exacerbation. So because of these reasons, we agree that the former C and D groups can be merged into a new one that we call E for exacerbation. We discussed if we should call it C, but ABC, but, but then it would be uh, some confusion with the previous C. So this is to highlight that having exacerbations is not acceptable. I mean, this is a main therapeutic goal uh, for COPD, and uh, the goal should be ideally exacerbation zero, independent of the level of symptoms that the patient might recognize or refer. That, that's the reason why we think that from, um, proposing this E group is important. Yeah, and it certainly makes everything much more simple to have uh, really only three groups and the prominence of symptoms and exacerbations yes. in terms yes. of the assessment. Yes, yeah. and, yeah. this, and this has, as you know well, implications for pharmacological treatment because now when we have ABE, uh, another important change is that for B and E, the initial recommend treatment is double bronchodilation, lavalana. So Gold clearly supports that using two bronchodilators is better than using one. You can still use one in A patients, which are probably uh, more often seen in primary care, less often seen in uh, referral centers. But the combination of lavalama is clearly supported by Gold this time. And of course, in some patients, you might think on triple therapy. Yeah, so that's very clear. And, and as I said, really much more simple. Um, and everything should be as simple as possible when you're managing a complex disease. Um, one, one thing that's maybe more complicated, but perhaps an important move forward in how we understand COPD is this idea in gold of the etiotypes, so the, the different routes that people can take to arrive at the disease that we call COPD. Um, Tell our, our listeners a little bit about what etiotypes are and how you how you see this information being used uh, going forward. Yeah, you are absolutely right. This is important conceptually. Uh, the practical implication of these are still in the early days, but it's important that people understand the concept. And uh, back in 2010, so 12 years ago, the concept of COPD phenotypes was discussed. A phenotype is the clinical presentation of uh, the patient, the what you can see and hear and listen and touch. And I mean, that's the phenotype, the clinical aspect of the disease. Then, like six, five, six years later, we start talking about endotypes. And endotypes are biological mechanisms leading to some 
clinical phenotypes. I mean, for instance, having TH2 inflammation is an endotype that can lead to a phenotype which may be bronchial hyperreactivity, for instance. Okay. Now, in, 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 in this edition of Gold, but based on two previous publications, one by Barcelli and one in the Lancet Commission, COPD, we propose the term etiotype. So the, the chain will be that the cause of the disease, which is the etiotype, will induce some biological changes, which is the endotype, which might eventually end up in a clinical presentation, which is a phenotype. That's the concept of endotypes. In terms of COPD, which has always been uh, understood as a self-inflicted disease by smoking, clearly is an etiotype. Smoking is an etiotype. But now we know that there are about 30% of patients with COPD in the world have never smoked. So there must be other causes than smoking. This is not to say that smoking is not important. Of course, it's a critical risk factor, but it's not the only one. There are many other uh, exposure to biomass, uh, being born prematurely, having infection, I mean, uh, tuberculosis, for instance, leaving some uh, residual functional limitation. And, and these are different etiotypes which are listed in gold. Now, what are the practical implications? Right now, very little because we do not have evidence or information on how to treat these different etiotypes. All the available information is related to smoking-induced uh, COPD. But we pursue the idea of pro promoting the concept because we need research in these different etiotypes. We need to be aware that not all COPD patients are, have the disease because of smoking, but we need to understand how to treat these other etiotypes. That, that's the reason behind this proposal. Yeah. And you can see the potential for future applications of this. So clearly, if abnormal lung development is a, is a key driver, then uh, maternal and perinatal health is clearly very important. If early life infections are key to the development of COPD in some people, uh, childhood vaccination globally becomes very important. So all of these things, actually, Absolutely. for a for a, yeah. for a global document like gold, potentially yeah. has important policy implications. Yeah, there have been um, three or four recent publications showing the efficacy of vaccines against respiratory syncytial viruses in children and in adults. So, so I think that keeping the uh, in mind the idea that early life events are important for adult health, not, not only for COPD. I mean, you know that very well for bronchiectasis, but maybe it's equally important for interstitial lung diseases or lung cancer. We need to understand that much better. I, th I think it's an important step forward to think about the risk factors that lead our patients to disease because prevention is something in respiratory medicine we haven't done as well as uh, diseases Absolutely. like cardiology or others. Absolutely. I think we should stop thinking in diseases and focus on health. I mean, how can we promote respiratory health through the lifetime of an individual? COPD does not start at the age of 65 ever. <laughs> it starts much earlier. Yeah, and our interventions are going to be less effective in a burnt out process very late in people's lives than, than it, we could be more effective earlier in people's lives, I guess. Is the concept. Um, absolutely. This is also discussed in Gold 2023. We need to move 
upstream. We need to diagnose COPD at the age of 30 or 35 or 40, not 65, which by the way, the mean age of all clinical trials in COPD is 65, I mean, too late. We treat late, late stage disease and, and yes. then are disappointed with the results. And I, I think that's a really important implication of a lot yes. of the, the, the yes. data and a lot of the ideas that are in, in goal 2023. Uh, absolutely. What would you say is the most disruptive or the most potentially impactful change in gold? You know, what are you most excited about that's that's coming out of gold well, now? Well, two or three. Well, I think we just mentioned them, but it may be worth repeating. One is the idea that uh, COPD can start early life, and therefore it offers windows of opportunity for prevention and early intervention. In this context. In goal, we discuss the concept of pre-COPD and also prisms or preservation peristherometry. We still need to learn a lot about this, but these are conditions that may be very well um, a, a warning sign that something is not going correctly and we can discuss and intervene earlier. The ABE is a, a big change. The support to uh, dual bronchodilator therapy, Labalama, as basically a default treatment, I think it's an important and simplifying change. And I think that in terms of the definition of exacerbation is a much more specific, detailed uh, proposal that, of course, needs validation, needs replication, but, but it's a step forward. Before, we had a definition which was quite imprecise. I mean, increase of symptoms. Oh, come on, but what symptoms? For how much time? And so, yeah, overall, as I said at the very beginning, this is not just an update of goal it is in many aspects uh, pro proposing new concepts and and hopefully new avenues for better management of our patients i think that's a great summary the the gold um 2023 document is now online for you to read at the erj um, and for those that want to read more in depth also the full report available on the gold website um it's been a pleasure to have you with us alvar as you heard Goal 2023 is not just an update, it's it's a big change in the field of COPD. Um, we hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast um, and join us uh, next month for more episodes of the ERJ podcast. Um, last word to you, Alvar. Many thanks for, for joining well, us. Well, um, thank you to you for the opportunity to discuss. It has been a pleasure. I hope that our audience really read the summary of the ERJ and hopefully some of them the full document. It's, it is worth. Okay. Thank, thank you. you.